Hi, I'm Michael. I'm a small business owner, entrepreneur, investor, work in process, improv artist, speaker, and always very, very neurotic. I'm a TV host and your host for what we call the Second Scene Podcast. It is a Dweebs Global production where you can go for free mentorship help. We have mentors around the world. They'll help you with anything from mental health to resume writing. And it's completely free. It's completely confidential. And that is dweebsglobal.org. So I am here today with Laura Cheadle. Is that how I say your last name? You did it right. Perfect. Laura was your picture-perfect, successful American woman. She was a successful attorney until her kids were born, at which point she became the picturesque stay-at-home mom, taking care of her kids and her husband's every whim. After her kids had grown and she was ready to be an empty nester with her husband, she found out he had been unfaithful for the majority of their marriage, and she was left feeling like everything she knew wasn't real anymore. Luckily, during her time as a stay-at-home mom, she also picked up a few hobbies, like uh, more than a few. <laughs> uh, she, uh, she was a hypnotherapist. She became a certified hypnotherapist, a yoga instructor, a personal trainer, integrated energy therapist, an angel therapy practitioner, not sure what that is, and a pole dancer instructor and a burlesque dancer. So they got more interesting as I went down the line. She's, she's taken everything she's learned and used the strength in the as, every aspect of her life, including her marriage. So, and we are very happy to have you here today and, uh, and hear about your story. Yeah, thank you. It's kind of a unique story, I think, but. It sounds like though, it. Yeah, it, but even though some of the things that I've done are kind of um, unusual or out there, mm -hmm. I think the bottom line around most of it is just that seeking, you know, that seeking for something that fulfills you, that seeking for why am I here and what am I doing? And I think that's something that a lot of people can resonate with. Gotcha. Was, was some of it seeking, seeking for attention maybe, or seeking for your own no, fulfillment or satisfaction and fulfillment for, for meaning, for purpose, right. because yeah, I, when I originally went to law school, I was definitely seeking meaning. I was seeking to change people's lives, to help, to actually make a difference. And I thought it was depressing <laughs> that really in my life as a lawyer, I never had the opportunity to change lives. It was just so much more of a game that I had originally anticipated. And that wasn't really what I had signed up for. And I think a lot of people feel that way. You know, they think I'm going to change the world. And then they're like, no, no, I'm just pushing paper around. <laughs> well, you made the, you made a lot of changes so you could feel that fulfillment. I, I asked if it was for, um, for attention because I, I used to like perform in different ways. I used to do the drag and I used to do dancing at clubs and I did that purely because I loved the attention, but I've taken that and now I've turned it into other things such as improv and speaking. So, but uh, that's why I was getting towards the, the attention seeking part because burlesque sounds like it's an attention seeking um, performance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's in a certain way, all performing. I think you, you crave the attention, you crave that validation from others. Um, but for me, burlesque was a very, and is very personal because you're revealing so much about who you really are. And in life, we're conditioned to look a certain way, act a certain way, fit the mold. And burlesque is in a lot of ways, the ultimate middle finger to the world. Because you're like, yeah, this is my age. This is my body. This is everything about me. And here I am showing it. And you can either love it and cheer me on, or you can just leave because I don't really care. It's about me owning my worth and my power. 
Understood. Uh, you want to, can you describe what burlesque, burlesque dancing is to people that might not even know or be familiar? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, burlesque actually comes from the root word burla, which means mockery or parody. So a true burlesque is making fun of things that are taboo in our society. It's making fun of female nudity is a big thing. If a woman shows too much leg, too much chest, too much body. Ooh, she's easy. You know, she's trying to do something. She deserves this. She's not a good mom. She's not very smart. All of these judgments get placed on her simply for showing her body. So burlesque uses semi-nudity, never full nudity, but semi-nudity to really poke fun at that idea that, hey, women can show their body and it has nothing to do with how smart they are or how good of a wife or a mom or a friend they are. It has nothing to do with anything. All people have bodies and it's not that big of a deal, whether there's a size two or a size 20, it's just a body and it doesn't mean anything. So burlesque really leans into that. It really leans into the teasing. I'm gonna show you something and you're gonna wanna see it. And then there's also that taboo of we all want to see if someone's walking around naked. Oh, my God, we want to see. We don't care who it is. We all want to see. But we all have to say, oh, I don't want to see that. No, 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 no. But really, we do. So that's kind of that other side of burlesque. It's just poking fun of how neurotic we all are when it comes to nudity or sexuality. Yeah, in, in this country, it seems especially true. We oh, can, it's crazy. <laughs> we can watch and, and talk about murders and, and, and you know, so freely and blood and gore, uh, but then it comes to our natural bodies and you can't. Nope, can't talk about it and all these judgments and what are you asking for and blah, 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 blah. And it's like nothing. And that's what I really love about burlesque. It's just leaning into playing with that. It's all fine. It's all good. When did you first, I have some friends in New York that do burlesque, so I think it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> but the first time that you had done it or you decided, how'd you, how'd you figure it, how'd you, how'd you decide that you were going to do it the first time? It was such a crazy story. Um, I didn't decide I was going to do it the first time. It kind of happened to me versus me choosing it. I grew up uh, being a dancer. I danced ballet. I danced ballet with Colorado Ballet for a few years. In high school and in college, I was a palm and a cheerleader. So I just, you know, always loved dancing. Well, then you grow up and you're a lawyer and you're a mom and you're doing all this stuff. You can't just go dance. Like, where do you dance anyway? And how do you have the time to dance? All of that good stuff. Somewhere along the line, I realized I was giving away so much of my heart and soul to everybody in the world. And I had no time for me. And I was going to reclaim myself by taking dance classes again, which was amazing. And that's how I happened upon pole. But the dance studio, I mean, I'm still a mom. I'm still working. I'm still doing all this stuff. The only class time that was available was a burlesque class. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but sure, I'll go ahead and take a burlesque class. And I started learning about it. And I thought, oh, my God, this is my personality. It's ironic. It's funny. It's sexy. It's flirty. This is so me. A month later, a friend invited me to an audition. And, and I write about it in my book. I was like, no. And then I was like, sure. And it was like, no. And, you know, all that back and forth. Um, auditioned. And I got accepted to be a member of a dance troupe. And then I was dancing in Las Vegas and New Orleans and the rest is kind of history. So all within one month. 
Wow. I feel like New Orleans might be the, the burlesque capital of, is that true? I'm just making oh, it, yes. it feels like, yes. yeah. 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 <laughs> That's where I did some of my dancing. Cause that was, I lived in New Orleans for about eight months. I love New Orleans. New Orleans. Okay. I did too. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, New Orleans burlesque festival is huge and amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to check that out. Uh, that sounds, that sounds awesome. How, what did your friends think of this? I didn't want to tell anybody at first. At first, I thought people are going to think I've totally lost it. I'm having a midlife crisis. This is the weirdest thing. You know, I don't really want to tell a lot of people. And then I kind of had this switch within me. And I thought, you know what? I don't really care what they think. And that's the whole point of burlesque is it showing yourself as you are, not as you think that you should be. So it took me a while. And then I thought, you know what, that's fine. And I literally just started inviting my friends to shows. And I thought, I'm a little nervous. Nobody cared. Everyone was like, more power to you. I wish I could do that. Could you teach me a class? Oh, if I come over, will you help? (laughs) So everybody, I really had no negative pushback from anybody. Oh, that's great. So it was just a fear you had you were that didn't didn't come to fruition. That's great. That means you have some good friends. Yeah. I feel like pole dancing's kind of gone more mainstream. There's, there's a lot of pole dancing classes at gyms now. And... Yeah, yeah. It's such a great workout. I swear it's the hardest thing I've ever done. You know, it looks so beautiful. And in reality, it's ripping your skin off and you're bruising your shin. And <laughs> But it's a great workout. And I'm so happy it's gone mainstream. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's wild. I didn't, I was su- surprised when I started seeing it around a lot more often and uh, friends getting friends gifts, uh, pole dancing class gifts. And mm-hmm. this kind of led you, I guess, let's go back. So, so you were married and you found out that your husband was having an affair. Um, how did you find this out? Oh, through a, a long series. There were, my husband cheated for 15 of our 23 years together with five different women. So there was a lot to find out. There were a lot of different layers. And no, I didn't find out all at once. I found out over the course of about a year's time. And it was completely devastating because I thought truly that we had an amazing relationship. I thought we were best friends. I thought we were partners. I thought we were teaming up to do everything together. And we always had so much fun. So, you know, through a series of texts and emails and letters that people sent me and that I started finding, I learned the truth and it completely gutted me. Also because I had spent so much of my life in our relationship truly just dedicated to him (laughs) and our family and taking care of everything for everyone. Right, right, right. Um, so how did you, how did you, I guess you had to take a step back and, and, and regroup yourself and what, what was the first thing you really did to help? Yeah. Um, the first thing I really did was grieve because I had to, I couldn't get off the floor. I couldn't, I couldn't make sense of any of it because none of it made sense. And then I thought, okay, I guess if it's all over and I have to start rebuilding, no matter what, I have to start rebuilding. And how do you start? And I really had to start figuring out who I was, my identity, because I've done a lot of things in my life and I wasn't really a lawyer anymore. And I thought my identity as 
this kind of a wife is it's not there. And, you know, I thought we were in this faithful, committed relationship. My identity is gone. And I started to have to figure out who I really was exclusive of my roles, exclusive of my labels, exclusive of all of those ideas that I had built up in my head about, oh, this is my life and this is what we do. And this is my family, blah, 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 blah. I had to figure out who the heck I was. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to do. I'm sure. I'm sure. Especially when you're at one of the lowest points in your life. Yeah. Which turned out actually to be kind of a blessing because when you try to do something like that and you're not in a state of drama, it's easy to attach to things that are outside of you. Oh, well, I've got this home and I've got this family and I have this career and I have all of these things. And when it's all gone, you really truly have to go within and say, I have nothing. Who am I? Instead of just relying on things that you've relied on your whole life and that you don't even necessarily realize you're relying on. Right. I'm sure you were, it was probably, I don't know if it was, but maybe easier to get rid of or stop doing things that maybe you were just doing because that's what you were supposed to do anyway. It was kind of like, oh, I'm resetting everything. So let's, let's analyze every little bit of this and, and figure out what I'm doing just because I'm supposed to, or what I'm doing because I'm actually enjoying life. Yes. Yeah. It was like, everything's coming off and I'm starting fresh. So how did you start reconciling with your husband? Um, I really had no intention of ever reconciling with him as I bet you can imagine. <laughs> and for the first you know, month or so, I still needed to understand. I still needed to find out why. And especially being a lawyer, if you tell me what caused this, if you tell me what happened, then I can figure it out. Then I can make rational sense of it. And for the first month or so, it was because of you, because, you know, you treat me bad. It was like all of this stuff directed at me. And although a lot of me would take that on, like, oh, what did I do? I wasn't good enough. I'm just awful. I'm ugly and I'm gross and I'm a bad wife. And inside I knew, mm, gosh, none of this is true at all. And in the middle of one of those conversations where I was seeking information and he was just telling me it was all my fault, this look came over his face and he just said, none of this is you. None of this is you. You did everything right. I am so broken and I don't know what's the matter with me, but none of this is you. And that was so true and so right and that opened me up to getting curious about, yeah, you're right, it is. <laughs> and what was really going on? And what, what do you need to know? And what do I need to know? And it was the curiosity that actually kept me going. Because when you're with somebody, I had been with him at that point for what, 27 years? You know, just married for 23. But when you're friends with somebody that long, you do want to know what, what is causing that. I know you've got some problems, but this is extreme behavior. I'm curious. And the more that I learned and the more that he finally put his ego aside, basically, and just came from a place of vulnerability, then I could start learning and I could under start understanding. And I could see myself in his shoes doing the same thing. And for me, that was what really enabled me to reconcile and to go forward was 
if I were in his shoes, I could see making that same decision. Has it, I guess it's, it's probably made you guys more open with each other with wants and needs and everything absolutely. else. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Because none of that hiding is there. I mean, that's what I love. Everything is burlesque, <laughs> you know? And I talk about like in burlesque, people wear the corset to hold themselves in. They wear the, you know, the push-up padded bra to make things look different. They wear the bustle. You add on all these layers to make yourself look different. And that's what had happened so much in our relationship and in everybody's relationship too. He's trying to be this big, strong, all together man and it's not true. So he's putting on masks. And then I'm saying, oh, wow, he has it all together and he has total control. I can't show him that I'm falling apart here. I'll just put on another smile and I'll, you know, go volunteer some more and it'll keep, get better. So we're outdoing each other and we're never just stripping down and saying, I can't handle this anymore. Help. Right, right. So how long has it been since all of this happened? Um, almost four years. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's, been a, it's been a long time. So you've gone through the testing phase to see if the relationship could really survive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you said that too, though, because with any relationship, I think it's so important to continue to take it day at a time and moment by moment. And sometimes people have asked me, how do you know? And are you going to stay forever? And it's interesting because before all of this happened, my response would have been, you know, we're married forever. We're in love. We'll see it through. And after this, it does make you realize, you know what? Things change and people change and circumstances change. And although I really would like it to last forever, if it doesn't, I'm still okay with that. I'm okay with ever happens because this enabled me to get back in touch with me and figure out who I am and what I want. So whatever, whatever works, I'm fine either way. It sounds like you're super comfortable being with yourself, essentially. Yeah. You are, you don't need the attachments. Nope. Which I think makes for healthier attachments. I'm sure it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure it does. So you've turned this all into a podcast and a book, and I think you call it FLAUNT? Yes, I do. FLAUNT is, yeah, that's the acronym for what I did to really get myself pulled back together and figure out who I am and what I wanted. And um, if you'd like, I'll go through the acronym. Please, yeah, I was just about to ask. Yeah, perfect. Um, F stands for find your fetish. And I love fetish because it's such a naughty word (laughs) because we all think of fetishes as that thing that we really, really want, but that we shouldn't have. And I really encourage people. And I myself leaned into exactly what I want. Who cares what other people think? Who cares if you're supposed to have it or not have it? If it's your fetish, go for it, find it and enjoy it every single day. And don't apologize for it. Just lean into it. And then the L stands for laugh out loud. Laughter really, really is important. Um, I love laughter. I love that you're, you know, a performer and do drag and things like that. Laugh because it, it, it inspires laughter. It inspires creativity. It's, it's passion, it's connection, and it's joy. And when things go wrong, because they do, not if, but when, when they go wrong, laughing about it brings people in. So laughter is a huge piece. 
Um, AU is what I call the golden center of flaunt because that stands for accept unconditionally. And that's truly where all the magic happens. Accepting myself unconditionally, my situation unconditionally, but also everybody else around me. You know, we're only in charge of ourselves. And like through the affair journey, I could choose what I needed to do to heal. I can't make my husband do anything. And so often we're trying to inspire other people or encourage other people or manipulate other people. You know what I mean? Like if I do this, then they're going to do that. And then I, I'm going to say this and they're going to show that. And that crazy, crazy. It's all, about being, it's all it is. I think there's so much indirect communication that doesn't end up where you want it to be. Totally. And that's that accept unconditionally, accept everyone and everything where they're at, not where you want them to be. Then you can move forward. And that's N, navigate the negative. Again, everything is navigation. And whether you're navigating a boat or a plane or a train or anything like that, it never goes in a straight line. You have to go around roadblocks. You have to go over through. Just navigate. Expect to have to navigate. And just navigate. An example I love to think about and I always share with my clients is if you're driving home from work and the road is closed, you would never not once not ever get out of your car and be like, oh, not meant to go home today. That's it. I'm not going home. <laughs> you know, you, you backtrack, you take a detour, you figure it out. But in life, people are always like, oh, didn't work out. Not, not okay. Yeah. And then T, the last letter of flaunt is T. And that stands for trust in your truth. You're truly the only one who knows how you feel, what you think, what you want. Nobody else can tell you if you're hot or if you're colder, if you're in love or if you're happy or if you're satisfied. And you've just got to trust in who you are and what you want. Yeah. It's so hard to even know sometimes, at least for me, like what makes me happy or what it is, what is my truth? Like that's hard to find. That's hard to navigate in your own. And then you have to do it with two people. Like that's. Right. Right. It's crazy. But if you do that, if you can do those five steps every day, it really does help you at least start stepping forward and finding that enthusiasm for living again. Because for me, that's what it's all about. You know, who wants to wake up and be like, oh, another day. <laughs> I want to wake up and be like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm Getting up and working out helps me do that. <laughs> me too. It's oh past the grog. So yes. you've been working with other people with yes. the flaunt method. Can I ask what are some common fetishes maybe that people are embarrassed about, but now that they've come out and said them or it might yeah. help people to know and I find it interesting. <laughs> it's a, that's such a fun question. And you know what? It's crazy because so many people's fetishes are really boring and they think it's like this big deal. And you're always like, oh, tell me, tell me <laughs> what? That's it. <laughs> I don't, you, want it to be, you want it to be fun, exciting and risky. Right, right. I mean, people will like be in tears that they want to do stand-up comedy or, you know, they want to do something that just puts themselves out there um, and exposes them to judgment. And that's usually what it is, is they want to do something that will expose them to judgment. And they're just terrified of that judgment. Interesting. I guess I didn't think of the word fetish to really go in that direction. So it's almost like my improv just you would consider a fetish. Yes, okay. absolutely. Yeah. And like you do it, but so many people just won't do it, won't do it. 
And they'll be like, it's that one thing that I want. And even with working out, I mean, some people will be like, people that have got, want to lose weight. They're like, I want to do this so much, but I can't show up in the gym looking like that. You know, and I, and I have to lose weight before I can get in shape. And it's just, people just hold themselves back. Right. Like it took me 45 plus years to, yeah. <laughs> to get past that. It's hard. It's yeah. hard, to, hard to get past your fears. That's yeah. actually what it is. It's the fears that stop, they're stopping you. Yeah. You were so right on, but yeah, nothing crazy, nothing crazy has ever come up. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> oh, no, I was hoping for like a really exciting chapter. That would... <laughs> you know, right. Me too. But it never, so at least so far, yeah. so far it hasn't been. So, and you know what? Okay. I'm just going to launch into this around that. The choices that I made in the things that I was interested, you know, you talk about being a fetish. And that's really what I just kind of leaned into because I went to law school, um, obviously because I wanted to be a lawyer, because I wanted to fight for justice, because I wanted to fight for the underdog, because I wanted to do all of that stuff. But a lot of that is that headspace stuff. It's check the box, it's do it right, it's file this form, you know, it, it's very logical and it's very linear. And when I left work, I was disillusioned, first of all. I just had my second baby and my husband traveled nonstop and it was just ridiculous to try to balance all of that. But that was also me leaning into my fetishes because I had this fun, wild imagination. I kept thinking there's more to life than this headspace stuff. And I want to move into, you know, spirit. And I want to move into the magical, mystical healing arts. And wow, energy is a thing. You know, and it's more than just the kind of energy that we learn about in physics, but it's also more than the total woo-woo concept of ooh. And I thought, I want to lean into this because I think I can bridge a gap there because I'm very much headspace, but I'm also very spiritually attuned, psychically attuned, energetically attuned, all of that. And I kept thinking, this is my fetish to try to bridge that gap, to try to heal that 360 degree view of being a human. And part of that did come from working with a lot of my clients uh, as, a, as an attorney, because people come to you and they want you to solve their problems. And I could solve their legal problems, but I didn't change who they were inside. Inside, they were still a very broken person. They would go forward and they would continue to make really bad business decisions really bad personal relationships. They would continue to get locked up in the fight instead of balancing for justice. I mean, so many people make, you've probably watched Judge Judy and things like that. People do stupid things. And, you know, like Judge Judy, she can make this fair result, but they're still going to go home and be a really messed up person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she, I, even, she even tries to explain it to him and teach him. I don't think, I don't think it works. <laughs> right. And that was me. I'm like, put me in the human side. Let me start fixing these people because if I can fix these people, they're never going to need a lawyer because they can figure it out for themselves. Right. Well, that's wonderful. I completely get what you're saying where, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a computer programmer as well. So things need to be, things need to be very technical to me and I need to understand they need to be scientifically proven. So like uh, more I looked into a meditation is scientifically proven. And I do think there's an energy that connects us all, but I'm not into the, Ooh, <laughs> right. I'm not just going to go poof and fix you. Right. But if we understand, yeah, what we're doing, then intention can create 
Yeah. So that was that gap I wanted to bridge. And that was me leaning into my fetish of understanding something that I didn't understand and learning more. Got you. Got you. Well, this is great. Where can people find you? Uh, they can find me all over social media. I think social media is a ton of fun. Um, they can also learn more at my website, which is Laura, L-O-R-A, Cheadle, C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. And I have a really fun sparkle after betrayal recovery guide at nakedselfworth.com. So that is a fun place to go. Okay. Uh, we will put those links underneath the podcast and underneath the video. So if anyone wants to find it, lauracheetle.com, we'll put the links. Oh, let me just end this on the story. I know you had shared a story with me. I wanted to, you to share with everyone else at one of your burlesques, burlesque performances. <laughs> it was such a, such, such an interesting day. <laughs> this is why that L laughter is so important. Um, I didn't start performing burlesque until I was 44 and I was, I had always danced, so I'm comfortable dancing, but yeah, you're a little inhibited after being 44 and having two kids and all that stuff. But I was like, Ooh, I used to tap dance. I'm going to tap dance and I'm going to do this 4th of July routine. And I'm going to have like pom-poms and I'm going to have pasties that are sparklers and I'm going to twirl them all around. And this is just going to be amazing. So I'm up on stage and there was maybe a mm, two, two and a half foot drop to a cement floor. Uh, uh, you know, where the, uh, kind of like where the mosh pit would be. <laughs> so I finished my routine and I'm twirling and I'm sparkling. And I think I'm leaping down into the audience and I'm going to do this big twirl finale right there on the floor with everybody. And I leap off the stage. Well, tap shoes on cement is not a good mix at all. <laughs> and I flew landed, bam, on my tush. And as I'm going down, everything felt like it was in slow motion. And I'm horrified and I'm embarrassed. And all of a sudden I was like, forget this, strike a pose. Mm -hmm. So as I went down, I just struck a big pose and I owned it. And it was really amazing because at first everybody's dead silent, like, oh my God, what just happened? <laughs> and then everybody just started cheering with me. And it was such a beautiful lesson because yes, I'm still embarrassed. Yes, I still wish it wouldn't have happened, but it's also just that humanity thing. And people cheer, people want to be there for you and people cheer for the underdog and everybody's been there and it just connected us and, and ended up being a pretty darn good experience. Yeah, that's, I, that's awesome that it's a good memory that turned into a good memory. That could have been a disaster of you walking <laughs> off stage crying and upset and it turned into a great memory. I love right. that. Right. And everybody's going to remember that. I guarantee other people are still telling that story. <laughs> you are. I would be telling it if I saw it. So I'll probably be telling it. I didn't watch it. <laughs> totally. I wish it was on video. Yeah. I'm going to have to remember this next time I'm, I'm, I'm failing or, or, or bombing on improv on the stage. I'll have to do something crazy out of the ordinary just to <laughs> yeah, strike your pose and keep on moving. <laughs> strike a good memory on it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It was a ton of fun. Ton of fun. So appreciate it. And again, it's lauracheetle.com. And again, we'll put it, we'll put the links down below. So this has been a Dweebs Global production. Again, dweebsglobal.org. It's where you can go for free mentorship help. Uh, they'll help you with resume writing, mental health, and everything in between. We're every language, we're across like every country. So please go to dweebsglobal.org and they are there to help confidential and free. Thanks.